Welcome to another episode of the Girl Out There podcast. I'm Cindy Ryan, your host, and I'm thrilled to have you join me on this journey of self-discovery, a little bit of magic, and a little bit of wonder. I am also known as the Blissful Intuitive, a mystic, intuitive guide, and Reiki master based in North Vancouver, BC. I am dedicated to supporting humans tap into their own inner wisdom and find their uplifting, unique, honest inner voice. It has been the most humbling experience to witness this transformation occur when we reconnect to our own innate tools and techniques. In each episode, we will explore topics related to personal growth, spirituality, intuition, energy healing, and a little bit more, some twists and turns. I'll be sharing insights, stories, practical tips, and having some incredible guests come on to help you navigate your own path towards an open and balanced life. Whether you're new to the world of intuition and energy work or a seasoned practitioner, this podcast is for you. Together, we will dive into the depths of our souls, uncover hidden truths, and ignite the spark of inner knowing. Join me with your own cup of bliss and subscribe to the Girl Out There podcast to get ready to awaken to your true potential. And always remember, the power to create a blissful life is right within you. Hi, it's the girl out there right here with you. It's me, Cindy. And this week we are here with Cindy. (laughs) The Cindy's. I will give you a formal introduction, but I just had to say the Cindy's. Cindy <laughs> how are you? Cindy Squared. Yes, that's right. Okay, so Cindy Sivert, how are you? Cindy, you are, uh, well, how did we meet? We we met through a connection a few years ago. Yeah. Um, and you are, I want to get your title right. You are a divorce coach or a life coach? So certified divorce and relationship coach. So yeah, life, life blends into that too. Cause I look at life before, during and after a divorce. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and we met and you had come, you'd come to me for a session, but then from that so much has, uh, well, it has transpired in your life. Um, and I think at the beginning we had wanted you to, or I had asked you to come on my show, um, oh gosh, I think probably 15 months ago or something. And life just kept saying, oh, nope, not not right now, not right now. And then, um, well, I'd love you to jump in and share what's happened in your life. Um, things have, have gone a way that you did not want them to go. Um, and I, I am so sorry for that. Um, but what I have watched you do over this this last year is bravely step into a space um and welcome yourself in a way that not many um can do so so quickly so uh, i thought if you wanted to share your story and then we can go into to wherever that story un- unravels yeah 
Yeah, for sure. You know, it's a thing when I did reach out to you, I was a little bit about at a crossroads with myself <clears throat> and my path. And I wanted some clarity and just through friends and recommendations, they had recommended you. And so I remember that from my first session, I, I sort of had a little bit of clarity in terms of like, okay, I'm on the right path. Here's what I can do and expect. And it was just, I think, really helpful in terms of where I was at. But if we were to rewind, so almost six years ago now, um, I left my marriage, um, went through a divorce, actually left my marriage for the partner that I spent the last almost six years ago with. And uh, of course, like a terrible thing to do, especially in our society and in terms of, you know, social suicide that some doing something like that brings, as we've seen many people leave marriages for another person. You know, in no way was this the reason that my marriage broke down. It was breaking down for years and years beforehand. But I think that leaving for someone gave me the courage to be able to finally make the decision to step out. Whether or not my relationship was going to last the test of time was sort of not even really a concern of mine at the time. It just gave me the courage to be able to say, I'm done with this marriage. I need more. And kind of allowed me to step finally out the door that I'd been contemplating stepping out of for five years prior to that. So the partner and I that left our marriages for each other went on to build this life together. And, you know, the last five and a half years that we were together, lived in the same community, lived two streets apart. We decided to do this whole like living apart together type of thing, which I don't know if anyone looks it, looks it up, but it is a thing. It's where we didn't want to jump back into a married like relationship right away. Cause I think that so many people do that after divorce because we are too afraid to be alone. So we tend to use a human as a bandaid and just get right back into another relationship because that's, what's comfortable for us. The last thing that we want to do is to be alone. And although I wasn't alone, we weren't living together. And I felt that that was our independence needed to grow in that in that direction. So we were building our life, co-parenting our kids half the time, being, you know, living our life half the time. Um, he got into, he left his corporate job, got into professional bodybuilding and online fitness coaching. And so a lot of large part of our life was fitness and health. And he'd been seven years sober, um, which was a big part of my attraction to him, I think, because I really love when I see someone that totally turns their life around complete 180. I mean, I didn't meet him when he, when he was drinking or, or in that phase of his life, I'd met him when he was sober. So I don't know that version of him. Um, but all I knew was the version that was coming out and coming around. So, and it was amazing. I mean, of course we had troubles. We had, you know, issues like all couples do, but we were determined to do this differently. And we, really had a connection that was so different than anything that I'd ever experienced. Like he was truly, truly, and I'm probably, I'll probably start to cry. He'll, he was truly, truly my person. And I think I was his. And seven months ago, he passed away suddenly. Um, right before we were going to Toronto and New York for one of his professional competitions, it was, we think his heart gave out a blood clot related something that was, you know, not functioning in his body. And he did not know that his body was at this stage of, of transition almost, you know, it was very shocking. He was 41. And so here, here we are, we're a life we had built 
after divorce, we were really making a go of it. And it truly was surprising that it was actually going to work because odds of that working when you leave a marriage for someone is very low. But for us, it was, it was amazing how it was the right decision. And we were planning this beautiful future together and it just ended, you know, so much different than a divorce where it, where divorce ends because it's breaking down this just your happiness gets ripped away from you because a life is completely lost. And when you lose a life partner, there's just this whole level of grieving that you don't even know how to experience. You know, there's just this complete empty hole that's left and void beside you that you think, how the heck am I ever going to fill this spot? It's not like you're breaking up or you're divorcing where it's, it's, over, but they're still in your life. And if you've got kids, you still get to see them. They're still there. They're still able to be a parent. This was not that. And so the last seven months have been, oh my gosh, immense growth. And I, I know you say fast, but I think that, I think it's always there. I think grief is one of those things that we can't win grief. You know, we're never going to beat it. It's one of those things that are always, it's always going to be there with us. We just have to learn how to build our life around it when it happens. And by no means is it easy. I mean, I can show up and smile and put on my happy face and talk about it because I love talking about it because he's just, I want to keep his memory alive and, and talking about it does that for me and for everybody. Um, but I think grief is one of those things that permanently changes you. You know, I, I lost him that day, but I also lost a version of me that day that I will never get back. If that makes sense. Thank you. I, I keep hearing you say the number seven and it's, um, seven months ago. I think that's a, um, very special number, um, for Mike and for you. So interesting that it's landing at this time. Um, I, I think when I say set, uh, fast, I, I, time is such an interesting thing. Fast in the way you have come to a new understanding of yourself um, and uh, understanding of your soul connection compared to how when we worked together before to this deep understanding um, and commitment to you and Mike, um, which you're sharing now, which is so beautiful. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah. does. And I think it may have landed differently had I not been doing so much work on myself since getting divorced. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that you, you get to this different level of self-awareness and almost attachment, but detachment from the idea of being in a relationship, you knowing that I'm okay on my own. This relationship is here to to add value to my life, to add love, to, to make me better. But if I didn't have it, I would still be okay. Mm -hmm. Where it's, it's, that took me, you know, all these years of us being together to be able to get to that place where I never would want to lose him. But I knew that if I did, I, I was still a whole by myself. Yes. And so in this, um, and thank you for being so open one about, um, divorce and attachment and detachment, and then to be in this new space of where your growth is now. And I think, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm following you too, as you're, you're sharing all of these pieces of yourself. And I, I know when I went through my divorce, um, 
12 years ago. That was such a vulnerable place for me to be in. And I know for many people that idea of um, being able to separate feels so, so hard and so challenging. And then when you get to the other side of it, you realize, oh, okay, it is possible. It is okay. And, um, and I know for, for you now to be on this side, when you're talking about grief, um, and this different level of grief, um, I know when I, when speaking to you at the very beginning compared to now, um, it, at the beginning, how, how was it for you? Like, did it feel like you were going to be able to walk this path? Yeah. <sighs> No. And I think you were like one of the the calls I made that night when it, all, you know, when that happens, it's surreal. You can't actually, you can't actually bring your you know, wrap your head around the fact that this is the new reality because you don't know what that reality looks like without that person. You know, and it took me, you know, when people say, oh, I wish that I could just wake up from a bad dream. Like I'd never actually experienced what that felt like until that day when he, when he died. And I was praying, like, please wake me up. And so I think I'll yeah. cry, but I think I'll cry forever. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, I think then it was, it was very desperate, like the void, the quietness that a human life can really, you know, can create when they're not here. Like you don't realize, even though we weren't together physically every single day, I mean, we were on the days that we didn't have kids, but on the weeks that we didn't, he would do his time with the kids. I would do mine, but he lives two streets away. And when you have someone that's living, their spirit is alive. You still know they're there. And then when they're actually not, there is this, there is this really eerie vacancy, almost like this quietness that literally came over my community that maybe had already always been there. I don't know, but that I was very, you know, privy to. And so it was so magnified for me that all of a sudden, like the world stopped, the world got quiet, like it was empty because his energy was gone. And so the energy that a person can carry, especially his, he was big energy. He was love. He was fun. He was, you know, like intense, even when they're not physically present in the room with you, that can carry a lot through your day to day, even through your texts, through all of those things. So I think at the beginning, it was just that getting used to the, that sense of quiet. quiet and then wondering like, holy crap, like, I mean, to be honest, I haven't been single in 30 years. Like I was with my ex-husband for 22. I was with, um, a longer than 20, 26 with Mike for five and a half, like, went from my marriage to a relationship. So my, ins my first thought was like, holy crap. Like my, my almost greatest fear was coming true. Like I was seriously alone, but yet then I coach and I counsel people through the idea of being independent and fearless and doing this on your own. Cause part of me felt like I was because we didn't live together. But then when you still have someone, you're not technically all by yourself. And that part really scared me. And there were moments where I was like, I don't think I want to do this life without him, you know? And, and then of course it's like, I have kids <laughs> that is not possible, a possibility. And I had one girlfriend say to me, which I think is probably the best advice that I could have received. I said to her, like, I just want, don't want to be on earth. 
And she looked at me and she's like, Cindy, that is not the path to him. If you take your own life, that's, that takes you to a completely different path and he's not there. Whether or not, you know, that's true at the end of the day, I don't know, but it was definitely enough for me to say, oh, crap, like how could I risk then doing that and then still not being with him at the end of the day? Plus, I think you just reach this level of complete and utter desperation of life and what, what it's for. You know, and I have talked to so many other women and mothers, especially who've lost children who feel that way too, or that reach that point. And I reached that point, not thankfully in like a psychiatric need type of way, because it didn't take long to come out of that, realizing that that is not, it's not the answer, but it did take a while to, I mean, it's still taking a while to just adjust to life, you know? And I, um, you've shared that with me, I think, um, is that's very real and very honest. And when more people can hear you sharing those honest feelings, they don't have to feel alone. Should they be going through something similar in their life that those feelings that are so deep and so raw, when the person you're so connected to is no longer here, that ache that you're talking about um, is, is part of the grieving process. It doesn't have to mean that all of these feelings are logical. And so the fact that you reached out to somebody to say that this and to a few people to say this is this is how I'm feeling what does this mean I think is showing where you were actually feeling that you you knew it wasn't where you really wanted to go but that you didn't want to be without that person and also the way I just um found it so interesting how you were um I remember you saying this at one point just going like this is my truest fear uh, what I actually teach uh, is now showing up as a mirror for myself. And what does that mean? Yes. And it is ironic, you know, my relationship with spirit, with the universe, with all the things that I always had interest in before has tenfold now. Like I, I think when you lose someone and you're so desperate to connect with them and you start to learn how this mm -hmm. whole awareness of, you know, this isn't all that there is. And it's very unfortunate if you think that it is, because it's actually really beautiful to know, or to at least believe that there is so much more out there than just mm -hmm. this. What that is, I don't know, but there is more. And I honed in so much. I've done so much work, like I've done some work with you. I've done work with other mediums. I, I swear I hire a medium like once every month, but a different one, just so that they don't know the actual story to see if yeah. there's like some legitimacy behind what they know and, mm -hmm. you know, numerology and just praying now and really get connecting with looking for signs because the, oh, you know, it seems so seems weird, but the relationship that you can have with the spirit can actually be really beautiful in a way that to keep their spirit alive. Cause over the last seven months, Mike's not physically here, but my God, he shows me he's here in different ways every single day, several times a day. And yeah. it's so comforting to know that although he's not here physically and our life as we knew it cannot progress, he's still here guiding, you know, my almost not my actions, but according to the plan, you know, this somehow this was supposed to happen, you know, and I th no, don't know if we all believe that, but I, I find comfort knowing that this was 
somehow all meant to happen. He was supposed to be with me so that he could have the last five and a half years really pursuing his dreams, be loved the way that he deserved to be loved, be as happiest as he'd ever been. And I deserve to have him bring all of that out in me, you know, mm -hmm. being with someone finally who loved me in a way that I think a lot of people know, never get to experience that. And although I only had five and a half years, I had five and a half years, mm -hmm. you know, so many women say to me, like, sometimes we never get to feel loved like that. And no. so that part is such a gift. He taught me so much about love and about relationships and just about myself. And he still is, you know, as I go on this journey, you know, with his yeah. I think, and I do think that that's something to hold on to, right? Which is, although probably five and a half years will never be as much as you wanted, but there are many of us who will never experience the kind of love um, in that dynamic that you experienced. Um, and that is not to feel sorry for ourselves. Um, but I think there are certain, I believe that as we as souls, there are certain lives um, that we aren't supposed to experience um, that sort of love. Um, and that's okay. And then there are lives where you are going to have that true love like that. And it might not last this years you're supposed to have a glimmer of it to know what you're you're supposed to have and when you catch it you grab it you feel it you know it so that you can pass the story on to others you can share it and 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 do with it which is what you're doing now right um and keeping his legacy going which is so beautiful thank you I think that I think he's always you know going to be part of me part of me who he knew the the love that we have, I don't think could ever really be replicated. And no matter what relationship you had, like you had a love, but it's a version of a certain love. I don't think we ever have the same love twice. Yeah. And so another love that comes in my future potentially will be different. The person that I will be in that relationship will be different than the person I was with that Mike knew, you know, and the person I knew that he was is someone that no one else ever knew we no one knew that version of him except for me and so I think that the beauty of grief like we can we can think about grief and if we start to look at it as a gift and I know that people are like it's not a gift it's a it's a horrible tragic nightmare and I totally get that part of it but it is a gift in terms of it can teach you how to love and be open to love far deeper than anything else that you can ever experience. And you think about the one thing, I mean, two things that we have as humans on earth, the most two, the biggest two things we have in common is our ability to love and our suffering. And it just changes you when you start to look around at all these people, like every single person has suffered to some extent, whether it's a sick child, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a lost parent or a sibling or a dog, like there has been a level of suffering for all of us. And if we looked at that as a way to come bring us together as humans, like that's the gift of grief is I'm no longer, we're no longer different. You mm -hmm. hurt just as much. And I hurt, we hurt together. We've have suffered. And that's a beautiful way to connect with other humans. Yes, indeed. I think that idea of comparing grief is something that sometimes people do and knowing that grief is grief and that ache you talk about is so um, 
so important, right? Knowing that as long as you can sit there together and like hearing what you just said, that is so, I don't even have the words. Um, It's, it's just, you're, you're in such a beautiful space of, um, yeah, I don't even have the, I'm so sorry. It's it's, just, I think you can go either way. You know, I think a lot of people can let (laughs) hard in them, right? You Mm -hmm. see a lot of people with hard hearts after grief, like they've, they've been, you know, dealt some really hard cards and they've had, you know, a a spouse die, a parent die, all the people or whatever in their lives. And they've been dealt really hard cards. And so they, they can victimize themselves. And I can see how that can be a really easy place to go. Like, why did the, all of these things happen to me when Mm -hmm. you can think that way? And then you can think that your life is, you know, a a terrible hand that you've been dealt and you can't wait to come back in the next life and be dealt a better one. Or you can look at it for what it is right now. And maybe this isn't a trauma. Maybe this, maybe I'm not a victim here, but maybe these are lessons. Maybe these were for me. And what is this for? What can I do to change myself, grow and learn because of this and open Mm -hmm. up instead of close down? And I mean, there's two types of people in the world who do that, right? The people who close down and victimize themselves and the people who can take their, their pain and make it into purpose. Yes. I think that the the beauty of that piece is that we still get to really find joy in life instead of mm-hmm. letting it harden us. We have, who knows how much life we have to live. I'd rather live it joyful knowing that I've hurt and I will carry hurt and pain, but that it allows me to continue to love. And mm-hmm. that, you know, when you love it, there's a risk. Anytime you risk your heart, you risk it hurting. And the mm-hmm. people who basically you fall in love with the, the most are the people who actually cause you the most pain too at the end of the day. Yes. So just, no, you're that's what you're signing up for. <laughs> yes. I just hearing you is it's it's such a it's it's yeah, it's it's so it's what people hearing it more and more and more, knowing that that grief, when you're going to flow through it, knowing also there's probably going to be the ups and downs. And I think when people can prepare themselves to know today might be a harder day and uh, this path is going to be a bit longer and there might be days that I need to just cry. And I don't know what that's like for you if you have those where there are certain days you can see the light and then other days you need the umbrella on like the, the wow. comfort umbrella. And when people are like, okay, yeah. Yes, that's just going to be what this will be for a while. Um, and understanding like that there's a circle around to get that. I think that's what allows this path to be more steady. Um, and that's what some people don't have for themselves as a as a, a group that can keep them also on that path. I don't know what the group around you has been like for you for you during this time. I'm, I've been lucky. I do have some beautiful people and, and friends that are supportive. And I think you have to make sure to reach out. It's really, grief is really uncomfortable for other people. They don't yes. know how to let you be uncomfortable and they don't know how to be uncomfortable with you unless yes. experience that. And so to understand that part, you know, is part of the process. So I think society has has this whole heroic sense of grief, right? Like we've got to win it. We've got to be heroes. We've got to like take it and then grieve it and get on with it and move on and just like put it in the past. Whereas I think that we should actually be just letting ourselves be uncomfortable. We should be letting ourselves address it. I'm sorry that of your, for your loss is, you know, the, the basic bare minimum that you could possibly say, but acknowledging the loss to me at least 
is far better than pretending it didn't happen. Like when I yes. see people in society and people who've heard but haven't seen me and they just don't acknowledge it, that to me is a reflection of like their comfort level of dealing with grief, where I'd yes. rather say, someone say, I'm, I heard, I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. Thank you for that. And let's just move on. We don't have to get into it, you know, if you don't want to, but I think, I think with grief too, like it hits you like waves. Some days it just, something will trigger me and it doesn't even have to be much of anything. And I will just ball. And then I literally can't stop. Like it yeah. happened before Christmas. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like mm -hmm. I just couldn't stop crying. And I just had to let it happen knowing that this is just part of it. These are the days I'm going to pray more. These are the days I'm going to do my meditation. These are the days I'm going to give myself a little bit, you know, you know, more grace and maybe go for more walks because moving your body really can help and just let it happen. Because, you know, the beauty of grief is that you also got to love and you also got to experience that love. And although it hurts, you know, it's, it's a good kind of hurt too, at the end of the day. So I think it's so, sorry, I just interrupted yeah. you. I think it's so interesting listening to that. And I've heard it from other people too, is um, the amount of, dis of discomfort there is for other people with the conversation. And sometimes it's not until you're actually in grief that you realize how uncomfortable people are and perhaps how you were before with grief conversations. And I don't know what that was like for you before. Um, but, you know, lots of people who have either been battling illness or battling illness with children. And so I've asked people like, what, what are, what, what sentences do you want to hear from people? It would be great if we had almost a handbook for grief um, yeah. from people that have gone through it. So that people begin to know, um, because I think a lot of people, they want to say something, they don't know what, what are the right things. And so sometimes people just freeze. Yeah. Like, like I've just noticed that for myself, what people, they do, they just, they'll often avoid you altogether. Right. Cause they just are like, well, and I know for you, you said some people will just suddenly they're there right away. And then everybody just disappears. Oh yeah. Like everyone came out of the woodwork when Mike died, even the people that, that shunned us during our divorce, you know, now we're, we're resurfacing again and wanting to reconnect to, but those people didn't last long, you know, they fell off, you know, very soon quickly. And so you knew it was just really all about them. I mean, not to say offense, but I feels like when people show up in that way, it's about absolving themselves of mm -hmm that feeling of, oh my gosh, I better reach out to make sure they're okay. So I feel good about myself. And then I'll go back to disliking them and whatever happened in the past. Whereas your truest friends, I mean, I think they can say this for all things, your truest friends stay with you also in the dark. You know, they're the ones that have enough courage, have enough strength, have enough, enough love for you to be able to sit with you when you are going through your hard times and they're not going anywhere. And so things like divorce, things like death, really show you who your truest people are. And so that was also such a, a really good learning experience for me too, because my social network was really big, gigantic actually before my divorce, but it was very surface level friends. I was in a marriage where it was constantly a revolving door of people. We were super social. There was always people over and you can't get deep with that many people, you know, you, you really don't, you have a surface fun, you talk about fun surface things and it's enjoyable, but there is very few people that in your life who you have the depth 
a friendship with. And so as soon as sort of that, that veil was removed or who are your deep friends, the circle gets smaller, but the quality gets greater. And you know, the ones that you can count on you, you're, there's not all this noise anymore. And this revolving door of just the the people that are either taking advantage of, of your financial status or what you have or the dinner parties that you throw, you really come down to the quality of people who are going to be there for you through the thick and thin, and they don't want or need anything from you except just that same love in return. And so that to me was what our divorce, that my divorce showed me. And then grief was just that whole nother level of you know, reconnection with people in my life who I really wanted to get closer with because maybe they understood grief where, you know, I think I was terrible at understanding and empathizing with people's grief before when it came to losing someone because I had no idea. I mean, the only person I lost was my grandfather and that was like 12 years ago and he died of Alzheimer's. And so it, it wasn't sudden. We knew it was coming. It's still hard, but I didn't have that ever that experience. And so looking back, it was like, wow, I was so insensitive and unaware of how painful it is for this person to have lost a parent or to have lost a child or to watch your child go through this, this, this disease or something like that, knowing that the end is near, like it has just taken that to a completely different level. And I know that not everyone can understand that or even process it. There is one thing that I said to my girlfriends at the beginning, because I would just always be crying. And they're like, do or, like, what do you want from us? And I said, say this one thing, you know, when you see me, and I'm getting upset. Ask me if I want to talk about it or if I want to be distracted from it. And then mm -hmm. I'll let you know, I either want to talk and let's cry or like, let's go get a glass of wine. <laughs> you know? Perfect. <laughs> yes. But I think that's great because so many people want to just fix it or they want to give you, you know, something that they don't know. And so I think you giving them that was such a great solution to, for people to go, okay, what, what do you need? What do you want? And also giving them an A or B. So yeah. <laughs> an option options here. <laughs> and so of like now I, I, you know, I, I know you now I I've seen you even out a few times, um, at different functions. Well, like day five, uh, um, but, <laughs> and, um, but I, I know for you now where you're like, I saw this sign or I, I can see the numbers or I'm paying attention, um, for things for you now, and even great conversations of how you really have asked up and then things have really shifted for you in that way. If um, you were to tell somebody or an audience about paying attention to signs um, where they don't, they don't have to have um, lost a person or lost a connection just for how we live in a day-to-day -day life, the way I enjoy living, as you know, um, what would you tell somebody um, or suggest uh, for living? I think there is this universal energy out there that is really connecting us all. And it's, it's what's guiding us, us on our path to wherever that might be. You know, we're also focused on the outcome, but it's really about the journey. And even if you're looking at, okay, I, I, I didn't, haven't lost anyone. So I don't need a sign about that, but I do maybe want to switch jobs. I want a new job or I want to move, or I want to, you know, should I be leaving my relationship or should I be getting into another one? And putting that out there to the universe and ask for specific signs because what I have learned and what I have learned from experience and just because of Mike's passing that the universe is here to guide us. The universe doesn't want us to be 
suffering and resisting the life. It wants us to be joyful. It wants us to, to live life as full as we can. And if we ask it specifically to show us how, it will. And whether you believe it's God or whatever, you know, if your religion or it's just spirit or it's source or it's an angel, there is something greater than us. And if we can start to, to connect with that and put trust in that and faith and just give it a try, I think we're so, I mean, at least I've been so surprised by the, the re realness of that. But it has started by getting quiet and I think most of us, we don't let ourselves get quiet enough to really hone in on that intuition that we have, you know, that spiritual connection, that voice inside of us that could be that, that divine, you know, message that we're looking for. And so when I started to really get quiet, when Mike died, I did a lot of meditating, a lot of praying, a lot of getting quiet with him and asking for signs you know, it start, they started to show and they don't necessarily show right away, but when they show, and I'll give you some examples, cause it's like, I have signs, so many signs that I tell pe people and they're like, wow, you know, it, it, it's taken me by surprise at first because you ask for something and then it happens and you second guess yourself because we've been so conditioned in society to be like, oh, that's just a coincidence. Or like, that's just like, like you're, you're just seeing things you're, you're going crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think we have conditioned ourselves out of listening to our intuition and for being aware of the signs around us. So the first one was, is the number seven, you know, when Mike passed his angel numbers are seven and there were a lot of, of commonalities with why seven was important to him. So if we, if you added up his birthday, it came to seven. He was, he spent seven years, seven years ago, he spent seven weeks in treatment to get sober and then spent the next seven years of his life to the day getting sober and turning his life around or not getting sober, but turning his life around and living out his dreams. And so I think it was a girlfriend of mine who was really connected. She's like, do you see all these sevens in his life? And I hadn't at the time. And then when she brought it up to me, I started seeing it all the time. And even even his the day of his um that he got sober was June 6th and if you look at June 6th it's or June 1st it's 061 well that's a 7 the day he died was June 1st as well 061 is a 7 and 2023 if you add up those numbers it's a 7 and when i started to notice the sevens in my life and i started to tell people they started to show a lot more. And then one day I was going back to his old place. This is when he would, his first died. And I never, ever realized this before, but I saw his car still parked in his driveway and his license plate was 777 R8. Yeah. And I was like, what? You've been driving around with these sevens in front of me the whole time. And I never even realized it. And so now, you know, whenever I'm wanting connection, because I know it's so strong, it's almost every time I look at my phone, there's a seven on the end of the time. When I was looking to move out of our community, I, I sat down and I prayed and I asked him for a sign. And I said, show me in sevens today, if moving out of our community and moving closer to where my kids are, is something I should do. If you think this is the right decision and I've forgotten about it. And later that day, I went to the gas station and filled up my car and it was $77 and 77 cents. And <laughs> right there, I was like, 
what? Like, did that really just happen? <laughs> because when it starts to happen, you doubt it, but then you realize that this is so true. And so many things have happened from, you know, random people messaging me about something that I asked for a sign about. And it's just like, wow, they, when you sit there and you have trust and you have faith and you believe it, it's amazing the connection that you can make with the universe. And it's, it's not fluffy. It's not like woo woo. It's, it's for real, but it's up to you to, to decide whether or not you want to try it. And I, I guarantee you, if you do your world opens up, like you would not believe. I just, I love, I love that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting good. Cheery. I love it because I know that it's, it's so beautiful. And I wish that people would stop calling it fluffy and woo woo, but it's uncomfortable for people, as you know, and it makes people feel better to call it fluffy and woo woo because um, we've been conditioned to believe that. Um, but as you see it happen more and more, and I know how many stories you have and um, and how many beautiful things, just like in the house that you're living in now, just the, the true it's like this subtle bit, which is just not subtle, but it's just so amazing. And it has to be almost, you do have to sit in a pause. The amount of times I have to live my life by just going, I just need to pause. Uh, even in the statements of that you've made today, the amount of times I just kind of have to go, I just got to be quiet because it, it's better for me to simply be quiet um, and let you say it there's so many undertones of it. And, and Mike's energy is with us. You know, Mike is with us. He's just so around you all energy, the time. Yeah. <laughs> He's big energy. So I, I love that. And I think for people, the more people that can trust being in this type of, of living every day, to ask up, to be with that space, to live that type of um, life, ah, the better, the better will be. Yeah, it really is. But it sometimes does take something so massive to open your eyes to what you, what was always there, but you didn't really have reason to mm -hmm. believe or trust. And so that's, that's really what this has done. For me, yes. it's an, it's an everyday thing. And now I can laugh and make jokes. And when something happens, you know, I'll like, I'll tell Mike and it'll be like, we're fighting about it. I'm like, I'm fighting with my dead partner. <laughs> we're fighting about where this plant should go. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, you can start to enjoy yes. that, that energy, knowing that he may be gone physically, but he's not gone spiritually. And to me, that has really helped me gain courage and confidence to just, you know, carry him with me through life as I continue, because that's, that's the choice I have. I can either shut it down and pretend it didn't happen and get sad and be victimized by life, or I can look at it as this was supposed to happen to me and, and I will do something good with it. Oh. Thank you, Cindy. So now I just want to ask two questions just because I can't believe how much time just went by, but the time is now where, where can people connect with you to work with you? And, um, and what, is there any information about, I know you were doing some, were you, are you still doing the, the legacy work with Mike? Are you doing the workouts and yes. okay, yes. good. Yeah. So 
Okay. So right now where I spend most of my time is on Instagram. So over yes. at Stibbard. Um, my website is just in the process of being revamped. It should be live by February and it's the strength to thrive.com. Um, and then I am working with, I'm doing my first bodybuilding competition yeah. in <laughs> celebration of Mike, something I never would have ever done. But now that he's gone, I feel like, why not? I have had the chance to do this. I get to do this. I'm going to do this on his behalf. So I am competing in May and I've also created a Mike Mayo Foundation Legacy Award at um, the Lee Brandt Classic that happens every March. It was his first bodybuilding show that he ever did where he fell in love with it. So I will, I've created an award and a, and a scholarship that I'll be giving to an athlete who really stands out as someone who has turned their life around, someone who has, um, you know, fallen in love with this sport, is really passionate about, about being a leader and being a good person and all of those things. And so be recognized on behalf of Mike every year. So that's going to be my way to keep his memory alive in that community. That's amazing, Cindy. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much for sharing so vulnerably here and uh, just sharing this space. And I know what this will reach and touch very many people. So thank, thank you. you. We're uh -huh. ending at a seven, just so you know, it is two forty seven. Oh, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us again today. And as always, I leave you with a simple yet powerful invitation. Pay it forward. Take a moment today to do something kind for someone else. Whether it's a smile, a kind word, a small act of generosity, let's create a ripple effect of good in the world when it is needed more than ever. Have a beautiful day.